Good morning, everyone. This um, politician was uh, asked when uh, he was retiring. Uh, when I was retiring, it was his 60th birthday, actually. And uh, they said to him, have you any, any advice from your you know, 60 years of life to give to everybody? And um, he thought for a minute, and they said, yes, I got some advice, he said. When you're 60 and older, he said, never stand up to put your socks on. <laughs> I pass that wisdom on to you. If you're not older, you won't understand, but believe me, you will when you get to 60. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> I just got to dog. There you go. <laughs> you didn't do it, did you? I can tell. <laughs> All right. Um, but let's go to serious point as well. What we want to talk about today is um, what power do Christians have over demons? And there is a, a visible world, if you like, uh, that we see in our lives and that all, everything goes on. But we know that there is also a hidden world, sometimes referred to as an occult word. Occult means hidden. There is a hidden world which is occupied by powers, principalities, good and evil. And not to be aware of them, at least, is to be like standing on one leg. We need both our legs to stand up on. I've got quite a few chunks of scripture to illustrate what I'm, I'm saying, because the scripture really does talk about demons quite a lot. Now, I'm aware as well that some people will have come from church backgrounds which really pay no attention whatsoever to demons, may even think, never, never seen one, don't know what they're like, are they there, you know, whatever. Right down to some of the background that perhaps I've come from in, in, in some ways, actually I come from both backgrounds really, originally, but where demons are cause, you know, the, the cause of everything and, and we, we pray for the demon around every corner and all that kind of thing. I believe there is a balance, as with most things in Scripture, as with most things about the Lord, except that he loves us more than we can ever think of. There's no balance there. And those sorts of things. But there is a balance in the way we live our lives. And sometimes we go from one extreme to the other, or people believe one extreme or the other, sometimes just based on their experience or their imagination. So I'd like to put a little bit of sort of context on it and and everything. I'd like to, first of all, explain a little bit about what demons are and where they, where they kind of fit in, if we can think of that. And, and then to talk about how we deal with demons. I'm not talking about you know, our demons sort of thing that people sometimes refer to when they're talking about their troubles and their, 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 uh, their issues. Okay. So, first of all, where does Satan and the demons come from? Um, and what's their purpose? Okay, so there's a couple of scriptures, admittedly quite obscure, but are generally taken to refer to essentially where they came from. First one, Isaiah chapter 14, fairly well-known verses, 12 to 15, and it says this, this is addressed to Satan, it's a prophecy of Isaiah's, which explains a little bit. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. Satan was called Lucifer, the maker of light, okay? You have been cast down to the earth, 
you who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to the realms of the dead, to the depths of the pit. And those verses are meant to illustrate that the sin, if you like, of Satan, the angel, was pride. He wanted to be equal with God, which he could never be because he is a created being. Remembering all of what I'm saying, Satan and his cohorts are created beings. They are inferior to God, by far inferior to God. And it is not an equal battle, good versus evil. It's the overwhelming power and goodness of God as opposed to created beings of Satan who is on a leash. Okay? And then in uh, Revelation 12, talking about uh, all sorts of heavenly things happening at different times, at the end times and all sorts of stuff. It talks about the end of Satan, or, or, uh, etc. But uh, it's referring to Satan and then it talks about the stars which are mentioned, actually it mentions the stars here. I will, uh, I will raise my throne above the stars of God. Okay? And in Revelation 12, 3-4 it says, Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. All this figurative stuff. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. And that is generally taught, thought to mean a third of the angels, a third of the angels um, fell with Satan, with Lucifer. Now Satan means the adversary. And essentially, the purpose or the way in which demons and Satan work is that they will use every dirty trick, everything that they can, every hidden way, and sometimes some very overt ways to divert us from God. That might be that we get caught up in something, some, something that is maybe a, a bit of a hobby horse that then becomes something which becomes a diversion from our, our faith, from walking with the Lord, right the way through to... I don't know, being involved with things which we shouldn't be, occult things and stuff like that, which we'll touch on a little later. So Satan's purpose, if we look at uh, Job, uh, chapter 1, right at the beginning, Satan, again, it's a picture of what's going on uh, in the heaven, heavenlies, as it were. Job chapter 6 and verse 12 said, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came along with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Uh, does, God, does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge round him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your power. But on, on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Now Satan's purpose there was to tempt him, was to make him turn against God. And he goes on later and says, Can I, can I, can I harm Job? He says, Yes, okay, you can harm Job, but you mustn't kill him. So Job suffers great pain and suffering and goes through and you get the whole of the story, long, long 
book of the Bible, in fact the oldest book in the Bible, how Job goes through and the different questions about pain and suffering and, and all sorts of stuff like that. So Satan's there to tempt us, to lead us away from the Lord, to divert us, to destroy. No one's to destroy. He's got all sorts of uh, negative sort of connotations and names. However, we should remember that if Satan is, 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 is the tempter. God doesn't tempt us. It says in um, James 1, verse 13, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Now, Jesus referred twice in John's Gospel to Satan being the prince of this world. Also, Satan offered Jesus when Jesus was being tempted in the, in the, uh, the wilderness, the desert. He offered him dominion or ruling over all the kings of this world. And Jesus didn't dispute that. Well, either Satan knew he had that power, or at least he thought he had that power. So Satan thinks, at least for the time being, this is his domain. It's cast to the earth. And in a sense that when God gave man power to rule over the earth, and man sinned, he kind of handed that over to Satan. Perhaps lost his right to do it. I don't know. Scripture's not very clear on that. But we've already heard Satan is not equal to God. He's a created being. And if he does rule, if he does have a domain, then it's only on license from God. And therefore, we need never fear him. Now, you might fear... You know, some of the questions I've put down are about fearing demons and things like that and being involved, because sometimes it's unfamiliar to people. I've seen too many things over the years, in the time I've been a Christian, which have had a direct demonic influence or a presence... To, not to say, oh, no, it's just a figment of imagination. Lots of different stories I could tell you. Um, but I don't want to glorify the enemy, really. Um, there's one I told my, my group, which will illustrate something as well. Because we shouldn't be involved even in really the slightest thing, as soon as we know that there's something occult. So, you know, if, if somebody's playing a game with a Ouija board or even horoscopes, things like that, tarot cards, that, don't go near them, because they're the sorts of things where Satan sort of wheedles his way in. We don't know how it works, how Satan can get hold of people, and sometimes people leave themselves open, just say that, they, they start off with something, get involved in some occult-type practices, leave themselves open. Sometimes it can be things like even traumas and whatever, I don't know, and again, the scripture's not clear. It says several different things. It talks about people being possessed, right? It talks about people being troubled. Saul was troubled by his an evil spirit. Daniel's prayers were hindered in being answered because God's messenger was stopped by an evil spirit or was, was hindered by an evil spirit and needed some help. An evil spirit entered into Judas, entered into Judas before he, uh, he betrayed Jesus. And all those different phrases. The general term I think that's handy to use is demonized. Something's demonized, troubled by a spirit. You know? I don't believe as a Christian actually that you can get demons inside you somehow or whatever. But some people, you know, sick people, I mean, sick because they want Satan to be involved with them, they want to be um, completely uh, immersed in demonic things, will kind of perhaps uh, allow enemy to come in a lot closer than that. 
But Satan is not equal. Satan is not equal to Jesus. There's no need to fear. There's no need to fear that some evil spirit will come and grab you and make you do something. You just say in the name of Jesus, just go away. But uh, a couple of stories. When I was, when I was young, I, I, uh, well, relatively young anyway, um, I was, before I got married, I was living at home and we lived in this house and there was something not helpful about it. Nothing, nothing, something bad presence in there. I don't know what it was. Quite often these things are territorial. And um, I remember one night I was just lying in bed and uh, something, some presence just came into the room, came across me. It felt like it was sort of suffocating, but I could still breathe. It was kind of just over me. And, it was, uh, uh, and I wasn't asleep because I remember I was wide awake and I shouted as loud as I could. It frightened me. I was about, I was about 18, 17, 18. It frightened me. And uh, I shouted out my brother was sleeping in the same room. And uh, he never heard the thing. Um, he was quite a light sleeper. But I know I shouted because it, uh, it made my throat sore. I just prayed. I'd not long become a Christian. I just prayed. I just asked the Lord to keep me safe. And it went away. Anyway. But maybe I did dream it or whatever. So I went downstairs uh, in the morning. And uh, to get me breakfast. And it's just my mum was up. And mum's not a Christian, but she's kind of like sensitive in a way to stuff like that. And she said to me, don't like this house. We were only in it temporary while our house was being refurbished. And I said to her, uh, why is that? And she said, there's something evil up around by your room. You know, these things exist. These things are around and about. So that was the enemy trying to frighten me. Pray to the Lord, never happened again. Some years later, we were, and this illustrates a few points actually, and some of my, my the, the home group I belong to um, know the story. Um, some years later, I was um, going to bed, me and Han actually going to bed, and we were in our house and uh, we had the curtains closed in the bay window, and normally we would open the curtains when we went to bed, it's just a habit I had, uh, nice light in the morning. So. As I got to the curtains, I grabbed hold of the curtains, and Han will tell you this, I grabbed hold of the curtains, about to open them, and it was like a wet blanket, or a, it, it was like a blanket came down, and it was a horrible feeling. It was kind of dirty and upsetting. It was weird, weird feeling. It just came, just descended like that, oh, like a fog. And I came away from the curtains and said, leave that, we pray. So we prayed, went away. What was it? We had a lot of involvement with uh, people who had been involved in occult and stuff at that time. So the following morning, which was a Sunday, I went along to the church, and and we used to run a youth group then, and we were split into several groups, and one of the guys who helped helped us with it, he came to me and said, did you see this guy, uh, call him Nigel, Um, did you see Nigel last night? And I said, no. I said, well, um, he came round to my house, I don't know. I said, quite late on. I said, what time? It was about 20 minutes after um, I'd, I'd had this experience. He said to me, he'd come down to your house. He'd been playing with a Ouija board uh, with, a, with this friend who was a self-styled occultist. They got frightened and they came down to your house to ask you to pray for them so they could go back and use it again. <laughs> well, I know what I would have told them. He said, but as they, uh, as they got to your house... They saw, the cur- uh, they saw the light go off. 
And they thought, oh, they must have gone to bed. So they turned around and went away from us. The time was the time when I was just opening the curtains. Anyway, um, he refused to pray for them <laughs> and told them to clear off and stop and do it. And as far as I know, Nigel ended up okay, actually, but very confused. A few points there. First of all, you can't mix the two. You can't worship the Lord and Satan, you know. Don't mess about with those things. But these things are real. They can cause damage later on. And we just need to be aware that the enemy is around wanting to destroy us. We don't know how people can get demonized. Sometimes it is their own direct fault. Sometimes maybe it isn't. Sometimes the effects are physical. They might look like illness or whatever. Sometimes they're not. They're troubling in the mind or just whatever. They see things or, or, or whatever. Jesus has authority over them all. But we don't know how they are. How they all we know is that it's a bit like if you've got an open wound, then sooner or later the flies and the maggots will arrive. And if there's an open wound in our lives in some way, maybe the sin that needs to be dealt with, it might be just as simple as that, then we know that the demons, the flies, the maggots, they will be there. They'll be gathering around looking for an opportunity. I say Jesus has authority over them all. A couple of, couple of stories from Scripture. Matthew 4, 23 and 24. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering from severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. He healed them. So including in that list, almost matter-of-factly, along with everything else, we know that Jesus heals. We've heard testimony this morning. Jesus deals with evil, with, with evil spirits, with demons, with whatever you want to call them. Okay? Jesus has authority over them. Luke 6, verse 17. He went down with them and stood at a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Zidon, who had come to hear him and were healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming out from him and healing them all. Healed them all, including unclean, impure spirits. Same thing, demons. Moreover, Jesus gave us authority over them. Matthew 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. So if you're praying for people and you pray for them to be healed of sickness, he gave you, power, he gave you the authority to heal people from, sickness, from their sickness. But along with that, he also gave you the power to drive out impure spirits. It's not matter of fact in that way. It never is when we pray. But it's not something you make a big ministry out of. That's what I'm saying. It's about getting on with the business, whatever you come across. We can deal with it because of the Lord. Uh, Luke chapter 10. Um, start with verse 1 and then I'm going to jump to verse 17. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. 
I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Note, nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Yeah? The bigger thing, our names are written in heaven. In the same way as we shouldn't elevate people, put them on a pedestal and say, this is a great preacher, this is a great evangelist, this is a great person. The glory goes to God. It's his authority that we use. It's nothing to do with us. We're just the instruments. And so the great caster out of evil spirits is not a great caster out of evil spirits. It's all Jesus. We're just the, the means that you use, the pair of hands that are there at the time. So people start to claim, I can do this, I can do that. He's great at casting spirits out. Sometimes people are better at doing it than others because they've got more experience or because they've got more, they're bolder or something like that. But certainly isn't to do with any innate power that they have. It's all about the Lord. It's all about Jesus. But that means you needn't fear and you can do it too. You know, Satan works on fear. That's what he wants to do. He will try and intimidate and upset. Demons are real. They exist. But actually, they exist a lot less in situations than some people would have us believe. And very often that's because they want the glory. They want to recognize that spirit and that. We'll come on to that again in a minute as well. Right, in uh, Acts 8, it says this. When the crowd said, Philip, and saw the signs he performed, they all play, paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So once Jesus had ascended to heaven, the disciples and those who followed Jesus were doing the same thing. They carried on. Sometimes it's not so easy to recognize where there's a, a demon involved and sometimes, as I say, we can try and we can look for demons where they're not there. And it might be, you know, it could be mental illness, it could be, um, I've, I've seen people being prayed for, sadly, and also with a crowd around them, don't ever crowd people when you're praying for them, you know, because you don't know sometimes what effect that'll have on them. Be sensitive. I've seen a, a young woman being prayed for and she, she, they were trying to cast some evil spirit out of her. And I, I went across and saw him and, and said, you've got to stop this, because I found out later she was suffered horrendous sexual abuse. And the last thing you need to do is crowd around someone who's got sexual abuse and start pouring them and putting your hands all over them and try and cast out evil spirits. The screams were very, very similar. And she did scream. But she was screaming because they were re-abusing her, basically. We have to be careful, and we have to be, you know. And if you don't know, get someone else who does. You know, we're all in it together. But don't fear. Don't fear. Just send him where he belongs. Now, a bit of a longer story. This one's interesting. No need to fear or claim power for demons for us, uh, over demons for ourselves. It's all borrowed from the Lord. So, um, we're going to read... Um, Slightly longer story from Mark chapter 9. You'll know this one. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. 
As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with this man about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You won't believe in generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. That will often happen if it's, if it's really sort of that, that um, serious, if you like. The person is badly demonized or, or, or whatever. You'll often find there's a reaction, especially if you bring the name of Jesus to them. You'll find that they'll, they'll back off, they'll scream. When I was in Uganda last year, we were praying for quite a number of people. And there was one particular one that I was praying for. And it was really difficult. He screamed and he ended up being held Again, this wasn't in a case of abuse. They'd been involved in a lot of occult stuff and everything. And he was thrashing and kicking as soon as we mentioned the name of Jesus. And then he's speaking all kinds of blasphemies and stuff like that. So it was a huge extreme reaction. But you will sometimes get a reaction um, like that. Don't fear. Don't fear. Right. So he phones the mouth, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Jesus, uh, sorry. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But it, Satan wants to destroy. He wants to destroy. If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. And then some really famous verses. Yeah, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet. And he stood up. And after Jesus gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind come out only by prayer. A couple of things there. This is one of only two occasions where Jesus names the spirit. Okay? He's actually been told by the father that it strikes him dumb. So he knew this was deaf and dumb spirit. So he named it deaf and dumb spirit. Come out of the boy. The only other time is where you get the, the man who was demonized um, and asked him who you are. And he said, or he, he said I'm legion. Because there's loads of us in here, you know, or I'm a gang or a mob, depends on the translation you use. And Jesus sent them out, sent them into the pigs. That story, you know. Again, the demons, if you like, had named themselves. Every other occasion, he doesn't even let them speak. He just addresses them, unclean spirit, out. Go to your own place. Don't give them the honour of naming them. And you get people, you know. Some people think that you know, discernment of spirits is that. It isn't, believe me. Discernment of spirits is, is this of God or isn't it of God? That's it. Okay? Sounds very simple, but sometimes it's that fine line. But some people go, right, oh yeah, I'm discerning. Yeah, it's a spirit of, um, well, I don't know, a spirit of uh, willfulness. Or it's a spirit of, um, you know, you know, or 
I don't like the use of things like Jezebel spirit. It can kind of label people in a way. We know what we mean by it sometimes. If you don't, don't bother, don't worry. But it basically means someone who is rebellious, who is going to be deceptive and cause you issues and, and that sort of thing. And often, and it's, it's named after Jezebel in the Old Testament, but it's a shortcut. It's a sometimes handy to use for some people. We should name things for what they are, people for what they are. And when we're talking about spirits, we should be careful not to call something a spirit which isn't a spirit. It might just be an attitude. You know? And prayer is the key. The dependency was on Jesus. They couldn't do it on their own. They needed Jesus. We need Jesus. We need his authority to, to do this, to, to, to stand against the, uh, the, uh, the demons. It says in uh, Romans 8, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons... Neither present, nor the future, nor any powers, either, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Keep that in mind all the time. Demons, along with everything else, we stick close to Jesus. We won't go wrong. wrong. He'll, save, he'll save us. And we've already said in, um, we shouldn't mix the two. Be careful, there's no no chink in the armour that uh, the Lord provides us with. In 1 Corinthians 10, it says, You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Can't mix and match. It's the Lord. You can't do that. And then finally, when you've dealt with something like that, in the name of Jesus, it's been dealt with, or you've got someone else to help. I've been round to people's houses where they felt there's been a presence, and sometimes it's been there, and sometimes it hasn't. But we prayed, and we found that it's lifted, it's gone, whatever. Um, fill it with the Lord. In uh, Matthew 12, it says this, When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places, seeking rest and doesn't find it. We don't want it to find rest. We want it to go away. Then it says, I'll return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied. We're talking about a person. Swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes from it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. We need to fill that void that people try to fill with all sorts of different things, but experiences, get themselves demonized. We need to fill that with Jesus because that's the only way in which we can, if you like, plug the gap because if that hole is still there, that damage. And so it, it, it's sometimes it's not just pray, come out, come out, go to your own place, off you go. Oh, I feel so much better. Oh, yeah, I felt that lift. Have you ever thought about Asking Jesus into your life. Because that's the only real protection. We want people to know the Lord. We want to give them the gospel, the good news. It's a different life. Otherwise, they will return to that. They cannot resist on their own. They need Jesus in their lives, just as each and every one does here, every one of us here. So, summary. 
Demons exist. More than some people think and less than an awful lot of other people think. Yeah? They're not around every corner. Not even around every other corner, but they might be a block or two away. Their role is to distract, destroy, and lead us away from our faith. Jesus has complete power over demons. He gives authority to us in dealing with them. We have no need to fear demons. We just simply say, go to your own place. I command you in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus. They cannot resist the name of Jesus. If there's a problem, get someone else with more experience. Get them to come along, pray. The demon will have to go. It will have to go in the name of Jesus. Don't name them. Just call them for what they are and tell them to go. But be careful that you are actually praying about a demon. And usually it's the last resort. It's the thing where it's persistent. It can't be, it's not just a, a besetting sin or a habit that you can't get rid of. It's something a bit more. Something that persists and carries on. It's something that troubles people. And then again, you need to check that it's not necessarily some, possibly a mental illness or, or, or something like that. The history is always useful. Have you been involved in anything? Is there something, when did this start? You know, you get the clues then. As I say, ask someone else if you take someone with you. It's always useful. Not because you're scared, but because we don't know everything. Deal with them in the name of Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can fill the void for people, for all of us. And finally, don't get involved in any demonic practices. If you're reading the horoscope, Here's the thin end of the wedge. Don't read horoscopes. Daft. Weather forecasts get like a horoscope now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's going to happen next? All the glory belongs to God. Amen?